and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Tom Taylor. And we're here talking about Minute 57 of Aliens, which begins with Hudson commenting that it's a dry heat, and it ends with Gorman nervously getting Apone's attention. And yes, that is Tom Taylor from the Caddyshack Minute, from Indiana Jones Minute, and from ABC Devo. Thanks for coming back again today, Tom. I sound very busy, but I will always make time for Alien. You guys are real. You guys are some busy little creatures. <laughs> Look at us go. Your podcast world. And uh, Joe Mazel is back, our our beloved co-host from ABC Devo. Thanks for coming back again today. Well, you're very welcome. It is a pleasure to be here once again. How is it? How is it feeling over in your uh, in your apartment over there, Joe? I'll tell you one thing: it's not, and that is a dry heat. Yeah, no. and you know what? You know where else it's not a dry heat is the, where they are in Aliens. What, what is he talking about? It's clearly wet in there. <laughs> it's clearly dank, damp, dripping liquids all over the place. What is he? T- I mean, I get it. He's kidding, but it's come a on. Common small talk a- affect to you know. Oh, it's a dry heat. Waka waka. See, that's it what make it funny. I wonder. I always wonder about. Like, I always assumed that it was too. That it was just like a sort of waka waka, like you know, thing that people say. But then I was like, oh wait, is that because I was like you know fourteen or fifteen when Aliens came out? So I just assume it's something that everybody says, <laughs> and I just attribute it to. To I mean, I get it from Hudson, but I assume that everybody says it. I don't know, man. I'm from the swampy, you know, summertime swampy Kansas City area, and nobody makes that joke here. You don't even make the joke. You don't go, oh, but it's a dry heat. Everybody like, shut up. It is how I mean. It is definitely how California used to be described, right? Or Arizona, or you know, Southwest or Arizona. Yeah. That's what it's a. That's what it comes from. Mainly is like Arizona. Oh God, it's 120 degrees. Yeah, but it's a dry heat, so it's not so bad. You know, that's where it comes from. You know, Isn't in my really mind, that much of a difference. Like, if, would you really prefer a dry heat? I mean, I guess you would prefer a dry heat over a sopping, well, gross, damp heat. But you're well, still Tom, hot. I, I don't know how much you know about meteorology or the term meteorological <laughs> terms, but here in Kansas or City, just meteors. <laughs> or meteors in general, yeah. um, or meteors, um, you know. <laughs> The metric system. Right. I have no idea what your knowledge set is. <laughs> well, well, here where I live, the term heat index is thrown around a lot during the summer, and yeah. I'm sure it is. You're in Chicago. I lived in Chicago. It's hot in the summertime there too. It does get hot. It's hot right now. And uh, that's the thing, you know, in Kansas City, you know, last week it was 96 degrees, 97 oh. degrees, but the heat index was like 113. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's what you're saying is yeah, it's it's just as bad. Like if it's 100 degrees here, it's it's definitely worse. Plus, you can't breathe that air. That's the that's the worst part about it is yeah. when it gets that humid and you can't even inhale correctly. But anyway, I stand corrected. No, you do not stand corrected. You just no. not corrected. You, you stand you, better <laughs> informed. That, that's there's that's it. So, but I was going to say I mentioned it. You know, I kind of you know, presaged this a little bit in the last minute that I think that there's some significance to the fact that he makes a joke here, and that's then linked to the reasoning that I had behind why Frost says the line about the the heat. Mm. We're getting this little bit of, you know, echoing slash foreshadowing. And in the audience's mind, you might go, oh, shit, it's hot in there. That's bad. The last time it was hot, somebody got, you know, face hugged. Mm -hmm. But we, instead of letting us sit with that and like feeling the dread of it and maybe even predicting 
where they're going to go next, we have Hudson come along and undercut it with this dumb joke. Yeah. So that it kind of cuts the tension for a second. It's like, okay, we're not really thinking about that yet. It's Now it's stuck in the back of our mind instead of what we're thinking about in this exact moment. And, of course, we get Apone come along and shut him <laughs> up. I mean, shut up. Just, Apone thought it was a stupid joke, too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> have, you caught, have you been, as you go through this movie, have you been counting the number of lines that Hudson says that are not immediately shut down by Apone? No, but we should have. Maybe that's what we can retroactively do. I don't know. But yeah. uh, we did talk about last week when Pete was on uh, the fact that he actually refers to him as little buddy. <laughs> <laughs> when they're first exiting the ABC and how there is a bit of a uh, Gilligan and Skipper kind of relationship, a little bit more, mar- a little bit edgier Marine like, yeah. you know. Tamara hits him with his hat. Yeah, we, I just it, it would seriously injure him if Apone hit him with his hat. It's a little bit different, but yeah, yeah. Now, John, have you guys talked about how it, there's a weird thing where, like, in the '80s, Marines were allowed to like you could show military men as being kind of dumb. Hmm. Oh, hmm, I mean, that's... it seems if you're making a military-based action film, uh, the military is always portrayed nowadays as this like precise killing machine. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Now, I'm trying to think because it used to be different, right? That we had yeah. well, it used to be um, very re- respectable, you know, to be in the military. And in movies, it was like basically propaganda, and we're showing all military. They're all heroes. They're all guys going out and fighting for our freedom. You know, post-war, all the way through until the '60s, when Robert Altman comes along with Mash, and then. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Nichols comes along with Catch Twenty Two. Suddenly, it all starts. And the Vietnam War comes along, and everybody hates it. Well, that's exactly <laughs> right. which is what made Mash and and yeah. Catch Twenty Two yeah. possible. But yeah, suddenly the the attitude shifted. And then try to find you know. I mean, there's a few. John John Wayne made one Vietnam movie where he tried to stick to his guns and yeah. you know show that literally and figuratively, literally and figuratively, <laughs> and yeah. And but try to find a movie. I mean, there probably is some, but. Most of the the military films you get between 1968 and, and into like the late 90s, maybe even all the way up to uh, post 9-11, I don't know, uh, seem to be. Yeah, there's there's always a bumbling commander. There's always a bunch of kind of dim-witted Marines or like, you know, jarheads or whatever you want to call them. And yeah, I mean, I'm probably wrong. I'm I, your question's catching me a little off guard because I'm not prepared to <laughs> search my memory, my mental Rolodex for movies that might have been different. But, you know, even up into 99, you had your Three Kings and films like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, no, totally. Where I mean, It's more less of a question, more of an observation that it's just that, yeah, you can't, uh, you know, portraying the U.S. military as anything other than pristine is kind of a no-no now. We're back, that we're back you know, certainly post-Vietnam and even... You know, even though, and even like, you know, even prior, even in your, you know, World War II era up until the 60s, there was a subset of a comedy called the service comedy. True. You know, and I mean, like the Phil Silver show being a prime example, and even, you know, uh, like the Abbott and Costello film Buck Buck Privates and a bunch of others. But yeah, now it is just, now military equals you are a perfect person. Yeah, I guess I I wasn't thinking about private, you know, Gomer Pyle and uh, <laughs> right. and then you had your No Time for Sergeants, which is a movie I loved as a kid for some reason. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time. <laughs> the genius of Andy Griffin and Don Knotts. That's yeah. Well, I guess that's it. But yeah, um, 
Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it is interesting, and I think that actually it might be shifting again because I haven't seen the movie, but there was a Netflix original film about the Gulf War with Brad Pitt, and it's, I think it's called War Machine. Was it called the War Machine or something? Oh, I know what you're talking about. No, that's yeah. Iron Man's friend, but you know, yeah, it is Iron Man's friend, who is, of course, a very upstanding military man. Of course, like you're saying. But um, no, this Brad Pitt movie apparently takes us back. You know, he's a bumbling idiot again. You know, military uh, kind of comedic role. I don't know. I could be totally wrong about that movie. I'm just going by what I've I've heard. But we talked a lot last week about the correlations between aliens and Vietnam. And how Vietnam films were being quoted throughout this movie, mm-hmm. and the, just the ideas from that era of film too. So and Cameron uh, it, on the heels of uh, First Blood Part Two. Yeah, true. And and you know a guy obviously who was around during the Vietnam War. He was very that that's his generation's war, right? So he's mm-hmm. going to have some kind of feelings about it, or at least that's how he's going to filter the idea of war through the lens of Vietnam. So yeah, so. Definitely, we're getting some of that here, and you're right, though. After a while, that seems to everything seems to become sanitized, and I'm thinking it's 9/11 that pretty much did it. Well, it seems like now that like you know, it's either a comedy like the Brad Pitt thing, or something kind of hard hitting like the Hurt Locker or something. But either way, it's like a, you can't make a movie with an army in it that's not like a commentary on war or something. That's the entire purpose of the movie. Whereas yeah. something like Aliens or for you know Rambo or anything like that, it's it's more like we need an army to blow stuff up in the movie. And maybe there'll be characters, maybe they won't be. But yeah, that seems to like lend more, there's more room in those scenarios for like the goofball and the dummy and the whatever and stuff. But like, you know, and something like the Hurt Locker, they're all like fleshed out humans, you know, mm-hmm. as part of a commentary on uh, just war itself. And you got your Zero Dark Thirty. You're talking about two Catherine Bigelow films. Yeah. You know, that were the first two that came to my mind as far as, like, you know, the war movies that we're getting today. Mm-hmm. Catherine Bigelow, James Cameron's ex-wife. So, yeah. uh, you, you guys draw your own conclusions. I, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen Avatar, but I'm assuming that the Army Marine dudes in that are just like the guys in Aliens. Kind of like a yep. mishmash of, you know, there's this guy, this guy, and this guy. Yeah. I mean, there's a, well, I don't know. It's a little different. In, in Avatar, as I remember it, I haven't seen it since it was in the theater, but you got your commander character who turns out to be a psychopath. Yeah. And then you have your Vasquez-like character who turns out to be a very ethical person, right? Mm-hmm. That you know, And there's a certain – well, the army becomes the enemy. So the, yeah. there's a lot of different perspectives as far as characterizations of the military in that movie while also having a ton of the same ideas. Yeah. Well, in that case, I mean, he really becomes the the adversary. Really becomes the military. You know, yeah. so okay. that's a little different. Here, they in aliens. They're still going to be even if they're even if Gorman's a dumbass. He's still a good guy. You know, and he even redeems right. himself. He's even given a chance to redeem himself. So. But the company that sent them there is still the bad guy. Yeah. True. That that's true. And and of course personified by you know this is a nice segue actually personified by our our pal Burke who. Yeah has a lot to say in this minute uh, that I want to point out. But I guess first, the first order of business though, is to point out that Ripley is the one who has this big realization, which I think is interesting uh, about the heat exchanges. It's either interesting or weird or both. 
Like I, I, I get that Ripley is our hero and, and, you know, we want to see her, you know, succeed and prove herself and all these things. And, and she's the one we go to for, for, for trust and everything, but it is very weird. I, I, I mean, I also just, I don't buy that she's the one who know, who comes up with this idea and that Burke or Gorman, like neither of them thought of this, this issue with the, with the ammunition and firing in a thermonuclear power plant thing. You'd think inspecting the environment would be one of the first things you do before you go into a combat situation. Yeah, like either the combat guy would think of that. Like, yeah, you know, figure out what is what the situation is, what the environment is, you know, and, and, also, and plan accordingly. Or Burke, who, like, you know, is representative of the people who own the place. He'd be thinking of that, too. Like, don't touch that. Have your hands clean. Don't shoot that, you know. Well, you know, we have to have this realization, like, mm-hmm. the, for, just for the sake of the story, somebody has to come up with this realization. Obviously, yeah. it's not interesting if they figured this out already. Yeah. Right. But um, I, I was with you. I was kind of watching this. I'm like, you know, I've always just gone with the program. It's Ripley. Um, she's smart. I trust her. So, of course, she came up with this idea. But then, of course, micro, uh, watching this through a microscope, you're like, <laughs> well, now yeah. how is Ripley the one? But then I remembered that Ripley was uh, Brett and Parker's boss on the Nostromo, which gives me the idea that she has a lot of engineering expertise. Like, she's telling yeah. them what to do, right? Right. Oh, sure. So, uh, she could probably read some schematics, and there they are, right in front of her. Wasn't part of blowing up the Nostromo, like, dealing with, like, coolant and sure. things that aren't supposed to blow up and making them blow up and things like that? Yeah. So. Absolutely. I mean, it's totally believable to me that she would look at these schematics and go, wait a minute. That says yeah. primary heat exchange. These are nuclear-powered um, uh, atmospheric processors. Mm-hmm. Bullets are bad there. <laughs> yeah, no, I buy that she would figure that out. I just don't think she'd be the first one to figure it out of those three. Explosive people. bullets, no less. Gorman has already proven himself to be rather unprepared for certain things. That's true, and this feeds into that. And he really, he's just, he, he just reads the handbook, right? He doesn't really, it doesn't yeah. seem like he really goes outside of the handbook for any information like studying the schematics of where they're going i mean i guess they didn't even know you know that they were going to go into this atmospheric processor Mm -hmm. for sure they were hoping to find people in the living habitat right yeah so but a great it's a great illustration it's almost comedic how he is able to (laughs) precisely read exactly what ammunition is in those guns yeah. From memory, but he has no idea. Not only does he not have no idea about these heat exchanges and the dangers of it, it takes him two times to be to get it through his head at all. Yeah, like, like so, so, so it has to be explained very slowly to Gorman. Yeah. He's not. Boom. He is not picking it up. Right. I also love that the Marines' like response to it aren't like, "Oh, thanks for not letting us, uh, you know, ac- accidentally die in a nuclear yeah. holocaust." But oh man, I don't. Well, get he to doesn't shoot explain them. it. He doesn't tell them That's why true. they're not supposed to fire or anything. <laughs> that is true. Which my other question, like, you know, why well, let them? I mean, a lot of this is like, you know, you watch movies and you're like, okay, I get that that happened, so that this happened. Like, you wanted them, you want the Marines to be pissed off and hate Gorman even more, and you want them to be at a disadvantage, and it's funny when they get mad and stuff. But but and I feel like if this is an actual situation, Gorman would be like, hey, also, don't use a shotgun. Also, don't sneak any ammunition because you're a tough guy. There's a thermonuclear <laughs> you know, reactor over your heads, and you will all be destroyed if you don't listen to what I'm saying. Well, now, that's the thing, though. I, the, the small arms are fine. Alan Dean Foster writes about that in the novelization, that it's really the problem is those armor-piercing rounds that they're carrying around in those pulse rifles. 
Like that's what's going to pierce. I mean, a, a, a nine millimeter or a shotgun shell yeah. or a buckshot isn't going to yeah. do it. And so it's actually okay. The next minute, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, maybe so. That's okay. <laughs> but, but they make it very clear. Like even Gorman says, you guys have other weapons you can use. You know, yeah. to me, that what's being illustrated here. And so, is it in? I guess we're not even in that minute yet. So let's just save it until that minute. Okay. Um, but everyone, forget you heard anything. Act surprised okay. tomorrow. <laughs> but I did want to point out that uh, Burke does say nuclear. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I just I just had to point that out. Yeah. And and then we get uh, you know immediately after he says that you know the nuclear explosion he says adios muchachos so uh-huh. uh, ring the bell return of Peter Scolari uh, version of Burke I always I always think when he uses the Spanish I always think of Peter Scolari's character from Newhart <laughs> like the oh consummate eighties yuppie. And and what was it about using Spanish that was like a yuppie thing back then? I mean, I guess it yeah. probably was, but I only know from TV. I mean, I've probably met a couple of yuppies when I was 10, 11 years old, but <laughs> I don't remember any of them using Spanish. Yeah. Hey there, amigo. How's it going? Yeah, I probably, like, but. An, a Mexican restaurant opened in town, and it was very exotic and, and, and cosmopolitan to have a Mexican restaurant in town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was it. But yeah, no, I wrote down Adios Muchacho for another reason is because I think I said this before, like people can't just say words in this movie or in James Cameron movies. He's always got to throw in the audio. He can't just say, oh, you know, if they fire in there, everything will explode. It's not even like it'll be goodbye or it'll be game over or something. He's, Adios muchacho. Like, I I don't know why that rubs me the wrong way, but it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's like everyone in the movie learned how to be cool and casual from like a 12 year old boy or something. Like, well, like, and, you know, like, like, I'm thinking of uh, what's his name from Stupid uh, Terminator 2, the kid, uh, John Connor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the movie yeah I was just going to say, uh, you know, Hasta La Vista. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just like, eh, yeah, maybe John, maybe John, uh, John Carpenter, maybe uh, John Cameron, James Cameron. Jesus. Okay. Maybe Jesus Cameron. Maybe Maybe Kirk Cameron. Yeah, Kirk Cameron, too. Yeah, I'm sure Kirk Cameron was going around speaking in Spanish like yeah. this. I mean, it seems perfectly up his alley at this time. But, yeah, that's funny that you said, as soon as you said that, it's like they learned from a 12-year-old. I was like, I think that that's what he thinks you should do. I think that, you know, he wrote it. <laughs> yeah. That happened. He wrote a whole scene right. where a 12-year-old kid tells, teaches you how to be cool. Yeah. Somehow, so, like, uh, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I hope my, my, my wife's not listening, although she understands this. Her, my mother-in-law, who I love, she's awesome, but she cannot say anything like she could, if she walks into a room and sees that someone ordered a pizza, she won't say, "Oh, there's a pizza." She'll say, "Oh, it's Pizza City in here." Like you add like a city <laughs> or a Reno or yeah, you put a twist on it to make it Italian or Spanish, and that's how you like. Oh, she does a Reno like puts a Reno yeah, at the end. Of, yeah. I love. I mean, just like Brett, Freezerinos, right? Exactly. Yes. Yes. And and it's just like in the. It always makes me think of Happy Days. Like I feel like on Happy Days they were always putting the Areno at the end of stuff. Yeah. Oh, to be fair, you to your mother-in-law, you do tend to build small towns with pizza. That's true. That's true. I Not mean, cities, though. or at least the town squares. You know, Not an entire city. Well, she's so, giving you something on, to shoot it. for. That's pizza That's true. county. <laughs> it's pizza hamlet. <laughs> I think there's there might be a restaurant in Los Angeles called that, or is that Probably. hamburger? That's, that's hamburger Hamlet. Sorry. Same thing. Um, I like your mother-in-law. I, I, I think like that would too. be a lot of fun. I, I would love it if somebody used Areno more often. It like, is a lot of suffix fun. on the. End. 
when you start to notice it, it starts to get weird. I'm just going <laughs> to sit down and browse the internet or, internet arena yeah. for a while. I don't oh, know. It's information city in here. <laughs> I can type anything. I like it. <laughs> Tell your mother-in-law that sh- that we like her over here at Alien Minute. I will. <laughs> I'm just thinking it would be great if you only took her to places with city or Reno as the suffix. <laughs> yeah. And it just be, and this is now she's just pointing out the obvious. Like, you take her yeah. to Circuit City, assuming yeah. you had a time machine <laughs> to do so. Um, <laughs> it's Circuit City. And, you know, oh. It'd actually make her really sad. Why would you do She'd be so disappointed all the time. <laughs> her powers are robbed from her. <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. I gotta, I gotta just say words now. This sounds well, like a Mr. Show skit that we're writing here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, is anybody else bothered by the way that Gorman says Apone? Well, Apone. that's funny. Doesn't he say Apone? Yeah. Apone. I always say Apone. I and say I feel Apone like... as well. And then I was, watching, I was watching the commentary um, earlier today, and they were all, like Bill Paxton and all of them were calling him Apone. Apone. And I was like... Oh, I think, no, it's Apone. It's Apone. I don't does, care what anybody He does say says. the eggs. I wrote down his pronunciation, but it's like Apone. It, it's a very overly <laughs> spe- overly uh, specific and accent on the the A at the beginning. Yeah, I like it. I think it's Apone. Apone sounds soft. Yeah. yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it. So I don't care if that's the, how it's supposed to be pronounced. I'm going Apone. Um, totally. I'm all about Apone. But it's okay. just, again, I'm not the way, uh, not the way Gorman accents the A. I guess this is going to have to be a Facebook poll. I'm going to have to put this out there. Listeners, uh, let's, we'll, we'll put up a poll. We'll see who agrees that it's a pone or a pone. I don't or know how it. I'll type that. Tom, maybe you'll have to do that for me since you're like a, a you know editor guy. You know <laughs> okay. well, how, to, how to write that. I guess phonetics. Uh, phonetics yeah. are easy enough. Sure. All right. What else we got for this minute? We already talked about the next minute, so maybe we should move on to it. <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk about it again. Well, it works for me. Let's go to Pizza City, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's end of the minute city. Indeed. I believe it is. Can't Let's wait for uh, the next minute arena. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, you just you just stole my uh, my bit there. Aww. Thanks. <laughs> well, technically, it's Tom's mother in law's bit. So. That's true. <laughs> That's true. We are all comedy thieves here. <laughs> <laughs> every every com every comedian is so we we're all in good company. Well, Joe, we know everybody can find you over at ABC Devo along with me and Tom. But, Tom, tell people again where they can find you online. Oh, you can find me at uh, IndianaJonesMinute.com, where we're doing the same thing with Indiana Jones and all of his movies. And uh, you can also find me at CaddyshackMinute.com, where guess what? We're doing the same thing with Caddyshack, and I am only exaggerating slightly when I say it is the best podcast in the world. Well, it's all right. I mean, nobody's got to worry about it. You don't got to. You don't got to worry about it. I got to tell you, I haven't listened to like every episode of Caddyshack Minute, but the ones I've listened to were almost not at all about Caddyshack. I'm just going to say, kind of stunning, weren't they? Of course, there was the be- the best one was the one where you talked about the George Brett Pine Tar incident. Um, everyone oh, out yeah. there knows how big of a Royals fan I am, so that was my favorite <laughs> episode of Caddyshack Minute. So go find that one. I don't know what minute it was, but it was. They talk a lot about the uh, the. Uh, Notorious pine tar incident, which is one of my favorite baseball stories. So we try to get to the bottom of everything except maybe Caddyshack. Except Caddy, which you can never get to the bottom. 
Oh, of the Caddyshack. It's yeah. filthy. It's filthy down there. <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, you can find us, of course, at alienminute.com on Instagram at alienminutepodcast or on Twitter at alienminutepod. Uh, come on over to alienminute.com and click on the little pig up in the left-hand corner. That's a virtual tip jar. If you feel like dropping a couple of bucks in there, that would be greatly appreciated. We got podga- podcast bills to pay over here. So guests like uh, Joe Mazel don't come cheap. Yeah, exactly. Right. This is he's breaking the bank right now. So, all right. Well, that's going to do it for minute fifty-seven. We'll see you tomorrow for minute number fifty-eight. Arena. <laughs> <laughs>